Good morning. Welcome to Plevna Baptist Church. I'm glad that you have chosen to join us today as we finish the book of Ecclesiastes. Wherever you're at, whether you are sitting at your kitchen table finishing your cereal, or you are sitting on the couch with your family and friends, or, or whether you're driving down the road on the way to work, um, I'm just glad you've joined us. And I, I hope that as you are listening to this, you can think to yourself, my life is good. I know the world is chaotic out there. I know there's lots and lots of problems, but my life is good. I have my health. I have my family. <coughs> I have my friends and my loved ones who surround me and come to my aid when I need something. I hope compared to the rest of the world, your life is good. My life, I feel like, is good. You know, I feel like for the most part, I have my health. Yes, I have a little bit of a lingering cough, but my family is healthy. Uh, I feel like we've made the most of the time we have together. We've, we've been able to take advantage of being stuck at home, you know, playing games and uh, just spending more family time together, working on meals together. I feel like uh, helping the kids with their homework from time to time. I just feel like God has used this as a time to connect our family more than it was before. And so I, I look and say, my, my life is good. And I hope that you can look at your life and say that your life is good. Uh, whether, it's not, whether it's ideal or not, I, I, I can understand you say, no, it's not ideal. But as long as you can say life is good, uh, that's what I'm hoping for. And when life is good, people are happy. But when life isn't good, people are not necessarily happy. And we're going to be looking today a little bit about how do we feel, how do we respond when life is bad, and how should we respond when life is good. Solomon's going to point out uh, one point, but I'm going to bring out two. The first point that we're going to look at today is when life is bad, people remember the Lord. Just naturally, when life is bad, people are drawn to the Lord. And the second point that Solomon is bringing out in the passage today is please, when life is good, please remember the Lord. And I say the word please because I know how easy it is to forget God when life is good. We're distracted by whatever else is going on. And so God kind of gets set aside. And so Solomon's reminding the people that he's talking to today, when life is good, please remember the Lord. Uh, before we start, I would like to ask God's blessing on, the, on this time, that he would give me the words to say and that he would give uh, us the better understanding and the desire to want to appreciate and connect with him when, when life is good. Father God, I do thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for the chance to be able to talk to people via YouTube. And I thank you that whatever hour it is and whatever time of day it is, that God, I thank you so much that you are, are with us and you can bless this, this time. I do pray, God, for your words to say to come out of my mouth. I pray that, God, you give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. I pray that the GoPro works better this week than it did last week. And I just pray that you be glorified in this as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, when life is bad, people remember the Lord. You know, a lot of people, they turn to the Lord when life is bad, but they, they're mad at God. Uh, even those people who say they don't believe in God, they want to blame God for what is going on in their life. They want to be mad at God because he's allowed it <clears throat> and for him not stopping it. Even though God is the one person or the one being who can get you through whatever you're going through, people say, no, I don't want that. I don't, I'm not going to give God my attention except for that my anger is directed <coughs> at him during these tough times. And that's a shame because God still loves those people. He still loves us if we are going to be angry with him even through those bad times in life. But then there's the other side. There's the people who turn to God when life is bad. And you know, and that's a positive thing. That's something that God actually wants us to do when life is tough. Um, I'm going to read to you Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It's a very familiar verse. It says, 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to the Lord, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Another verse, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God wants you to go to him, to go running to him with open arms when life is bad. You know, that's, that's something that I do. When, when my life stinks, when I feel like I'm going through a tough time, I go running to God as well. You know, back in October, uh, Leslie started having problems with her hand, and we thought it was carpal tunnel. Not a very big issue. We just thought it was something that could be resolved after a couple weeks, possibly surgery. And as you know, it turned out to be a, bigger, a symptom of a bigger issue uh, being MS. And guess what we started doing a lot more of during that time? I started to pray a lot more. Shortly after that, I found out my brother was, had brain cancer, and he's going to need surgery to remove this tumor. Guess what I started doing? I started going to the Lord more with prayer. Think about uh, the, the, when I went to the doctors with uh, the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. It started here and went straight back uh, to my back, and I was, I was in the ER. I had literally gotten sick. I was, I was in pain. I was begging for medicine. I, couldn't, I was sitting on the bed. I was on the floor. I was standing up. I was walking around saying, dear God, please help me. Just, Lord, please take away this pain because those bad things in my life drew me to God. Think about what I would have been doing. I'll just pick on myself with the, uh, the, the visit to the ER with, with the worst pain I've ever felt uh, after they won a Grand Prix. Instead of uh, being the, the, the uh, ER begging for mercy from God, I would have been home watching Andy Griffith, eating a snack and going to bed. So that tough time, it drew me to God. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who has done this. I'm sure you who are listening to this can probably find yourself in the same boat at some point in your life. You know, think about when you woke up in the middle of the night because your kid couldn't breathe, because they had a temperature. You were just trying very hard to get that to go down. <coughs> and you were at your wit's end. What did you do? You probably prayed. Um, when when you, you hear about the, the virus, how it's affecting the stock market and the fuel prices and the American dollar, and it just becomes overwhelming with all this noise and all this uh, fear and panic that it's causing. Uh, I bet some of you have turned to the Lord in prayer. Think about uh, this past winter, driving down the road, it's snowy, it's dark. How many of you just flipped on the radio and just ignored what was going on outside? I bet there were some of you who would be just like me, who starts gripping that will and starts praying, God, please get me home. Tough times, God uses to get our attention and, and draw us to himself. And no one likes tough times, uh, but tough times are a part of life. You know, you ask anybody, and they can tell you their sob story about something hard they went through. Nobody can get away without a, a bad story of a loss of a loved one, loss of a job, or the fear of a scary situation. Everybody has, has scary times in their life. It's just a part of life. But like I said, God uses those tough times to get our attention. And that's, that's the time where people are most keen, they're most tuned into what God is really doing. You know, think about uh, if the virus is to hit your community. What, are you, what do you think you're going to do? I imagine you're going to pray. You're going to pray, that, first of all, that you don't get this virus. You're going to pray that those people that you know who got the virus aren't going to die from it. And you're going to pray that God supernaturally keeps this virus from spreading, that he, he just somehow takes this away and no one has to deal with it anymore. 
but you're going to turn to him <clears throat> during tough times. And that's great. But what about now? You know what? I don't, I'm not sick. I don't know anybody who has a virus. My family's healthy. I still have my job. I still have a paycheck. How much do I think about God then? How much do I think about God when my calves are coming out like clockwork and they're all healthy and the weather's nice? Am I thinking about God? What about when everybody else is losing their job? But I'm one of the few people, and I am one of the few people who get to keep their job. <laughs> am I thinking about God? What about you who have a healthy family? You have no fear of, of anything bad coming down your way. Do you think about God then? How much do you, do you think about God? That's, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about because when, when life is bad, oftentimes we can't go five minutes without thinking about God and saying, God, why can't you fix this? Why won't you resolve this situation? But we can go days upon days without really giving God any kind of recognition or thought except for, God, please bless this day, then I'm off and running. Something just doesn't seem right about that picture. When life is bad, people remember the Lord. But what about when life is good? And so Solomon is going to be talking to us and to the people that he's preaching this message to in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 to please remember the Lord when life is good. Our, our scripture reading today that Caleb read for us, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. He says, <coughs> Remember, you know, the word that's used for this passage in this place in remember, for remember, elsewhere is used for mention, remembrance. It's being mindful of, to think of, to bring to remembrance. And the idea is you set God before your eyes. You make him a part of your life. It's not just recognizing, oh yeah, God is there, but it's including him. God is, God is a God who cares about your life. He doesn't want to just hear about the blues in your life. He wants to be a part of the good times as well, it's being mindful that no matter where you are, God is there and he wants to be included. He's saying, please remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, youth is a subjective word. You know, some of you are saying, yes, I know that I'm young. Some of you are saying, uh, I don't feel like I'm youthful anymore. Uh, I, I don't know what category you find yourself in. Uh, I remember when I was 20 years old, my dad turned 40. <clears throat> and I remember we made kind of a big deal about it. We, he wore a black T-shirt. There was, there was just black and all sorts of over-the-heel corny things that we did to kind of celebrate. But now, guess what? I'm 41. And all of a sudden, 40 doesn't seem that old. Now, you who are, all you kids are probably thinking, you know what, Josh, you are old. Look it in the mirror, right? That, that'll tell you, Josh, that you're getting old. You who are over 40, 41, might look at me and say, you know what, Josh, you do have a lot of youth left in you. I remember back when I was 40, and I know where my life is at now, <clears throat> and I would love to go back to being 40 because there was a lot of youth at that point. I, I still feel youthful, not as youthful as I did, but I feel like I still have tread in my tires. I feel like I still have life in my battery. I, feel, I still feel like I have get up and go, but no matter how youthful I feel or young I wish I could be, I know I'm never going to be what I once was in my prime. A long time ago, I know I'm never going to be able to do all the things that I used to be able to do. As the older I get, the harder it is for me to do the things that I used to do before. And Solomon, as he's writing his book, he's writing it near the end of his life. He's already experienced the prime of his life. He's already experienced 
all that the youthful life has to offer. And now he's telling those people younger than him, please, don't wait until life gets tough before you turn to God. Don't wait till you're old like I am. Don't wait till you, you struggle to see or you struggle to hear before you recognize God, before you decide to make him a part of your life. Do it right now while life is good. Please don't ignore And, and Solomon, he, he brings up about six things that we can look at to help, uh, help people recognize that they're, they're getting older and help the youth to see better this is what old age looks like and to remember God before those points. But I'm going to look at four of them. And I feel like it's enough to remind us that we're getting older. We'll recognize these terms and these words if it is us. And the youth are going to understand enough based off of those four examples. And so I'm just going to go with that and help us to see, yes, life does get harder. It is tougher when you get older. And and make sure that you are uh, recognizing and remembering and making God a part of your life when you are young. So you who are young, sit up. Pay attention. Parents, whack them upside the head. Whatever it is, make sure that they are paying attention. You, youth, who can sleep on the floor all night long and get up and spring up like it's no big deal. Okay? You're a youth if you can do that. Those of you who can play a whole basketball game, take a five-minute break, and you're ready to do it again. You are considered youthful. Those of you who, who get sick or whoever surgery, and it just seems like no time at all before you're up and going again. You're the youth that Solomon is talking to. You, I, w- I want to ask you, do you think you're always going to have those muscles that you have now? Or that flexibility or that ability to recover so quickly? You better think twice. Because before you know it, uh, you're, you're going to struggle to get out of bed. You're going to struggle to see like you once did. You're not going to hear as well as you did before. And I feel like that's where Solomon is at. He's already experienced everything good, everything that youth has to bring, and now he's older, and he's trying to encourage you, learn from me. These are the lessons that I had to learn the hard way. Take it from me, from someone who's gone through this before. Remember God while you are young. Don't wait until you're old before you do that. So the first thing Solomon's going to point out is remember God while you can still see. Why your eyes give you strength. Why your eyes do not fill you. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 2. He says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. You know, we have some beautiful skies here in Montana. At night, you look up there, you see all the skies, you see all the stars, you see the moon, and it's bright and it's beautiful. But as the the older you get, it, it starts to become darker. It's not as bright It's not as beautiful as it once was because your eyes start to have problems. They start to slowly fail. uh, When you're over the age of 40, you start to hear uh, a word known as presbyopia. And it's the normal loss of focusing ability that comes with age. And so if you've heard that term from your eye doctor, you understand fully that, yes, my eyes aren't going to work as well. It's because the eye stiffens with age so they cannot focus on up-close objects. And there's just nothing you really can do about it. And Solomon, I think he has that problem because he's older. He's been a king from, guessing, like 35 to 38 years. He's near the end of his life, and he's recognizing he cannot see like he did before. You know, when they had eye issues back then, when they had cataracts or presbyopia, 
clouding of the eyes or struggle with night vision. They couldn't do anything about it. In our culture, they have all sorts of things that they can do to try to help a person be able to see. Even just these that I'm wearing on my face that, yes, I know some of you younger people are wearing uh, glasses or contacts. They didn't have those resources back then. And so when their eyes went bad, their eyes went bad. <clears throat> and Solomon is saying, please, you youth, why, you who have 20-20 vision, you have no uh, problem reading that small print uh, in the Bible or in a book. You who uh, have no trouble driving at night or getting around at night, he's saying, you, listen, remember God, make him a part of your life, include him while you are young, not just when you're old. Because when you get old and you can't see, it's, it's tough, it's a scary thing. I'm sure lots of people who, who struggle to see all of a sudden turn to God. They say, I can't see like I used to. I can't protect myself. You know, if, if someone's coming at you and you can't see, it's kind of blurry, that's very scary. I mean, think about it, even just trying to get around. <clears throat> anybody here know anybody who drives a car blind? Uh, I don't think so. Or rides a bike. If they do, they're going to have major problems. So having a loss of eyesight is a very big deal at any age. But especially when you're older, you were relying on everybody else to take care of you. Solomon says, remember the Lord while you can see as a youth. The second thing, he says, remember the Lord while you have strength. While there's strength and energy in your body, he says, remember the Lord. And that's when people don't think about the Lord so much because they say, I can do it on my own. I can take care of it on my own. I can do it myself. And so God gets set aside until all of a sudden, I can't do it anymore. Solomon's saying, please remember the Lord while you can do it by yourself. Chapter 12, verse 3 says, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. You know, uh, people tremble out of fear. You know, if I'm young and energetic and youthful and I have some kind of uh, problem coming my way, I feel like I can defend myself. And I'm not so worried. But the older I get, I realize I'm going to need some help protecting myself. He's saying, remember the Lord before that point. And he says, it's almost, he's getting older. His back is starting to droop or to stoop a little bit. He wants to stand up tall and straight and walk tall and, and tough like he always did, but he no longer can do that. <coughs> And that's a natural part of life. It's called, it's a medical term called sarcopenia. And it's, it's due to the loss of muscle mass, which comes naturally due to the aging process. Now, due to that aging process, I was able to, to, to beat my dad at arm wrestling. The muscle starts to fade. I'm still young, I'm still youthful, and I can beat him. But due to that aging process, my sons, Noah and Caleb, one day are going to be <coughs> me at arm wrestling. Hopefully it's a while before that takes place. But due to that natural um, aging process, I'm not going to be strong like I was before. And I can, I can think back about what I could do as a youth that I cannot do now. I remember going out and bucking bales, uh, alfalfa bales. I was a guy who would walk behind and would put it on his knee and kept throwing it up all day long, 80 to 100 pound bales all day long for two or three days a, a week. All and it was in the hot sun. It wasn't even like cloudy. It was hot. And I could go one day and I could wake up and go the next day and like it was no big deal. Now, what do you think would happen if I did that now? Okay, I could get through most of a day. But that next day I'm gonna be moving, oh, I'm gonna be so sore, I'm gonna be slow, I'm not gonna be able to do it. Please, God help me, right? I'm gonna turn to the Lord. Solomon says, Don't wait until that point. Do it while you're bucking bells and you can run like a doe across 
of the fields, and it doesn't even matter. So remember God while you can see. Remember God while you have your muscles, while you have your strength. The third thing is remember God while you can hear. Uh, let me read verse 4. He says, When the doors of the street are closed and the sounds of grinding fades, when men rise up at the sound of the birds, but their songs grow faint. Now, I imagine this is something else that Solomon is experiencing himself. As he gets older, it's getting harder and harder to hear. And, and possibly he's sitting around drinking coffee with his buddies down at the local coffee shop, and they're discussing how life is getting harder for them to handle because of their old age and their aches and pains. But I think this is Solomon. He says, I cannot hear. I woke up early this morning because I couldn't sleep. Another sign of old age. And I, I thought I was hearing birds, and I went out to look, and they weren't there. Or they were there, but I could barely hear them. I know when I was a youth, I could wake up, lay there in bed, and hear the sound of birds, and it was gorgeous. Now I can't do that anymore. He's saying, while you can hear, please remember the Lord. Now, when I think about hearing, I think about my kids, Noah and Caleb, because Leslie and I will be sitting in, like the living room, whispering to each other very quietly. Noah and Caleb will be in the kitchen or in their bedrooms, and somehow they hear it. You know, through walls, while they're playing their video game, while they're reading a book, while they're watching TV, in a totally different room, they can hear us. My life, I'm not going to do that if my life depended on it. They have such good hearing, but one day, no one, Caleb, your hearing is not going to be that good. Remember the Lord before that point. And that's another natural part of the aging process, is that you cannot hear as well as you used to. And that term is presbycusis, and it's the term for age-related hearing loss. It's just a natural part of the aging process. And there is numerous ones. Psalmist just picks, picks these. When you can't see any, before your eyes fail you, before your strength fades, before your hearing starts to go, he says to remember the Lord, to include him, to think about him, to remember him, because if you do, you're going to live your life accordingly. You're going to live a better life if you remember that, yes, God is there. He's watching. He's listening. He wants to be a part. The fourth thing, and the last one we're going to look at today, is remember the Lord before you pass away. Chapter 5, of, I mean, chapter 12, verse 5b, says, The man goes to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Obviously, somebody has died. Verse 7, it says, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Before you die, it's important that you go and make things right with the Lord. You have no idea when, you, when you're going to die. You know, this virus thing is getting kind of amped up. I mean, there's, there's more and more cases. It feels like it's growing more rapidly around our country. Thankfully, not in, in my uh, county that I know of, but it is getting more and more, and it can spread like wildfire. Uh, the president is predicting upwards to 100 to 200,000 people dying in the next couple of weeks due to this virus. I hope that's a gross exaggeration, but I don't know. But there's a lot of people who are dying who aren't ready. There's a lot of people who are going to get this virus who aren't, who aren't going to be prepared to meet their maker because they didn't do it while they were young. They didn't do it when life was good. They didn't do it while life was healthy. And some of those people are going to wait and they're gonna hope that they recover and they're never going to recover and they're going to die. And they're going to spend eternity in hell if they don't know Jesus. You have to make sure that you make things right with God, that you think of him before you die. 
because when you die, it is going to be too late. <clears throat> a lot of people die unexpectedly. Even if this virus doesn't even touch our county, a lot of people die unexpectedly. I mentioned a couple weeks ago about the couple in Europe somewhere that had a, uh, they were out there drinking their, their wine or their coffee or whatever, and they were talking about death, and as they walked inside, this big chunk of ice fell and killed the lady. She didn't expect that. You know, people die from shootings that they weren't expecting. People have heart attacks. People die from complications in surgery, such as a blood clot. Um, people die from just anything. I mean, you just, uh, I think about uh, sinkholes. You know, people die from sinkholes or driving down the road all of a sudden. It opens up, and there you go. You're done. Or the house uh, falls into a sinkhole, and there's just numerous ways that people die, and they're not expecting it. And so if you don't know Jesus, I want to challenge you to make sure that you know Jesus now. You know, I think, I think we all understand that we are sinners. You know, I think we all can admit that, yeah, we've done something wrong. We didn't murder anybody. We don't want to claim one of the big sins. But we'll admit that we did lie once, or we stole once, or we cheated that one time just to get through that test or that paper. Uh, but, but that doesn't matter. I mean, if, you can, if you're willing to admit that, that's enough. Because the Bible says if you broke one law, you've broken all of them. You don't have to like that, but that's the way God put it. That's the way it is. And because we sin, the Bible says we cannot get to heaven. That's what Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. That's eternal separation from God forever. Are you ready for that? God says, I don't want you to go to hell. I love you. I want you to come to heaven to be with me. So Jesus came and died on the cross. Uh, Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us. And Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All you have to do is turn to Jesus and say, yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I'm, I need a Savior. Please forgive me for my sins. <laughs> please save me, and please give me eternal life, and he will give it to you. And then you just try your best to follow what the scriptures say and live your life for him, including him, making him a part of every part of your life, to remember him to love him, to try to serve and obey him. For those of us who say, you know what, I already know Jesus as my Savior. You need to remember Jesus as well. You need to include God in your life just as much as, as the person who needs Jesus as his Savior in the first place. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 to 14, it says, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden deed, whether it is good or evil. Everything that we do now, we're going to have to give an accounting for later. And if I remember God is there, if I include him in my life, if I think about him, if I talk about him, I'm going to be prepared to meet God. I'm going to be prepared for standing before the judgment seat and saying, what do I get for the things that I have done? I don't have to be embarrassed. I don't have to be nervous. I don't have to be worried. I can hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I pray that all the time. That is exactly what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I know that's what you want to hear too. So if you want to do that, remember God. Make him a part of your life. Make sure that you are reading his word and you are putting it into practice. I know, or I imagine, the next time a tough time comes, whether it's the virus, or whether your car breaks down on the side of the road, or whether it's uh, the fear of a loss of a job, 
you're going to start praying. You're going to say, God, please help me out of this. Please make me better. <laughs> please send somebody along my way who's willing to stop, right? You're going to pray. But the God who loves you as much when you're going through those tough times loves you that much now. When life is good, go to God. He cares about you. Just a, just a little thought here, you know. If you've ever had a friend who has stopped by or somebody who calls only when they have problems, doesn't that get kind of irritating? Okay, Josh is calling again. I wonder what he wants me to do. I wonder what he's going to ask for. How am I going to have to help Josh? You're going to get irritated. And I think God you know, might feel that way a little bit too. I only go to God when I have problems. Sure, he loves me. He wants to help me, but he doesn't just want to hear about me or from me when my life stinks. He wants to hear from me. He wants to, me, to include him in my life when life is good. So I want to encourage you, yes, go to God when life stinks, but go to God when life is good as well. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth that's in it. God, I thank you that you are doing such positive things in this, the scary time of, of this virus. God, I hear about people who are coming to know you as their Savior, and that's amazing. And people uh, who are turning away from the bad things in their life, people who are trying to make things right with their family. And God, I just thank you for bringing so much positive out of this. God, I pray that the most important positive thing is that people would get right with you, that we would make our life, that we would get rid of the sin in our life, that we would share the gospel, the good news with other people, that people who are hearing uh, the message of salvation would say, yes, today is the day of salvation. I'm not going to put this off any longer. God, you are good, and you'll work through good times, and you'll work through bad times. And I just praise you for that. Please be victorious. Be, please conquer this, this virus. Please conquer the sin in our lives and help us to live for you. And I beg you and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.